Hi, Dave. Oh, wait. Uh, I can barely hear you. There, how's that? Oh, much better. <laughs> I always forget. Yeah, I came across so, that uh, small excerpt um, a few weeks ago, and uh, it does seem to me to uh, speak to your favorite analogy. Uh-huh. The one about the caterpillar and the butterfly. And yeah. It, yeah. Well, it never sat right with me, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, well yeah, it, it seems a fundamental confusion be, be, be between uh, what an individual organism is and what a collective is. Really? So a cell, then, to you, is not an individual organism? Is a dog a supercell? No, it's a it's a collective, though it's a way of it, it, you can see that it is. I mean, the whole distinction between multicellular and single-celled life is precisely that distinction. That single cells got as far as they could go. There wasn't much more you could do. The planet was saturated with single-celled organisms, and there wasn't anywhere to go except for the single cells to come together and form a higher entity, a higher unity. Uh, Multicellular organisms are composed of single-celled organisms. And in fact, the single cells of organisms like mitochondria, in fact, are single living systems that live and reproduce inside every cell with their own DNA. So I don't see any... See, the thing is, I don't see a core... When it goes back to that map and territory analogy, these are just... I'm not saying Earth is a living organism. Any more than I would say a dog is a living organism or a cell is. Those are just ways of thinking. We don't know what the hell life is, what is living, what is not. That's just a distinction that we make. It's a useful distinction. And, um, yeah, so I don't don't see the problem with that, To, to look at Earth and say, Maybe it's like uh, an organism. Maybe it has some of the properties that organisms have, and maybe that could be a useful analogy to understand how it's developing. Why? What is the problem with that? Well, I suppose if you, you don't take it too seriously. Uh, well, take what as opposed to what? What does taking it seriously mean? I mean, thinking that a particular map is the one and only true description of the system? Is that what it, taking it seriously means? Well, yeah. Oh, well, but that's insanity. To take it seriously, to assume that one analysis is the one and only true analysis is crazy. Is the topo map more true than the street map? Which one is the true description? Stupid question. It's just they're both useful distinctions, ways of thinking that can be useful under certain circumstances. Um, a theory can't go any further than that. At least I, I, I don't see how it can. 
The theory is just a map. You can never have the one true theory of anything. Mm. Or do you think you can? Do you disagree with that? Um, no, I'm kind of lost about where we're uh, where we've meandered onto. Um, well, I don't. We've meand- I don't think we're meandering at all. We're dealing with the issue of uh, the relationship of maps or theories to the territory they purport to describe. Right. And it seems to me that you're asserting that there is such a thing as the one true map for this territory. And I, I don't accept that. And I actually, I don't think you do either. I don't know. Maybe you do. Mm, Well, I guess I can say, no, I don't think that's what I was saying. Well, then what is the problem with looking at the planet as though it's a single living organism with its own developmental uh, path? See, I think the problem is you think I think that that is the truth. And that's certainly not what I'm saying. I'm saying it it may be a useful way. In fact, not maybe. It is, for me anyway, a useful way of of analyzing what's going on on the planet right now and offers suggestions and ways of thinking that simply are not available under other analyses. But I don't think it's the truth. Mm. It's just a useful map. Let me ask you this. Do you think you are a human being? Uh, okay, yes. Okay, well, there you go. (laughs) See, I think being a human being is a way of thinking about things. I would say you're not a human being. In fact, uh, I think Ken Wilber would say you're not a human being. Okay. That's just a way, that's one way of thinking about it. It's a useful way. It's it's a it's a, a description of your biological, you know, the biological entity that you're stuck in at the moment or attached to for the moment. And uh, if you're interested in biological reproduction, well, then, yeah, we could say it's useful to see that we are, in fact, Homo sapiens sapiens. But that really only describes uh, the physical body and its history. It says nothing about any other way of looking at whatever the word I means. I, I, to me, it's more like I travel in a, in a monkey, in a human. But I'm not a human. Right. Boy, there are a lot of really beautiful women in here today. For some reason, they've all collected at Starbucks this afternoon. There must be seven or eight really good-looking women in here right now. (laughs) So if I'm a little distracted, bear with me. (laughs) Mm, It's all right. Sorry. Right. Well, I mean, I, all I really wanted to know if you, if you had any specific response to 
uh, well yeah audio. i didn't i don't even have a quarrel with what he said you yeah. know i think he he defines he defines his terms differently than i do and i suspect if he and i sat down we wouldn't have much of a difference in much of anything we say you know he's he's developed his theories over his lifetime and developed his own terminology and uh, and i've done the same thing and so there's that's always going to be a problem, you know, is reconciling our terminologies when we've both invented our own. <laughs> right. But I've never heard him say anything that I didn't feel that uh, we could reconcile easily, actually. Right. Yeah, I, I suspect so. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, again, you know, what interests me is you say you, that, that the, the butterfly and caterpillar analogy is never set right with you. And I'm curious what it is about it that doesn't set right with you and why you feel that way. Well, the caterpillar is uh, a single organism, and mm, I don't think that really applies to what's happening with uh, the, the planet, the globe. The caterpillar is a single organism, or a cal- caterpillar may be seen as a single organism. See, that's what I'm getting at. This gets, see, this gets back to some basic linguistic things. In, in uh, Earthling, of course, there is no verb to be. You can't say that a caterpillar is a single organism. You have to say, I'm analyzing it thus, because it's very easy to analyze a caterpillar as a collection of cells. So to say that it is, that that strikes me as is really mistaking the map for the territory. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, seeing it as a single organism is a way of thinking about it, and a useful way. I'm not denying that that's a useful way to see a caterpillar. But why would you think it's not necessarily a useful way to look at the planet with through the same lens? If you think the universe can't get organized on a conscious level at anything higher than... Uh, you know, mammals or things the size of humans or something, or what? It's impossible for something like a planet to actually have that kind of integrity of uh, structure that would see it as a single organism? Mm. Well, well, uh, there is the term that... um, it was said in the in the audio there is what Alfred North Whitehead called the dominant monad, which is uh, any given entity has um, a locus of intentionality. So an individual cell of the organism cannot make decisions, but there is a dominant monad for the individual what, organism. What? But a collective I don't, just I don't doesn't follow have that. that. A collective doesn't have that. Well, when a when a, well, a dog you, gets you up, uh, when yeah. a dog gets up, a hundred percent of its cells go along with it. But a cell can't independently decide to not go along. There's a dominant monad, but a collective, like a, a planet, does not have a dominant monad. And how do you know that? What's your? I mean, where do you come up with that? Mm. Just because you have no personal experience of it, therefore it couldn't possibly be. You're so sure. 
<laughs> I don't understand how anybody could be so sure about something like that. I'm not claiming that there necessarily is. I'm just asking the question, is it possible? And if it is, how how might we, uh, you know, examine it? But you seem to think it's not even worth thinking about because it's clear that it doesn't have a, that. You just throw that out like, you know, like you you just know that. Well, wouldn't there be some evidence of a dominant monad if there were? What's the evidence of a dominant monad in you or me or a dog or a flea or anything else? Mm. Well, that's what we're calling what we're calling that is uh, an individual locus of intentionality. Well, so you just want to switch words now. It's not a dominant monad. It's an individual locus of intentionality. So, I mean, well, does it make any a, difference what we call it or what? Well, it's a, a capacity to engage in intentional activity. Oh, intentional activity. Intention. That's a good one. Um uh, what about individual cells, free living cells? Do they have intentionality? Uh, at, their, at their level, yes. Okay. You know what slime molds are? Yeah. Well, so, is that an organism or a collective? I'm going to say a collective. Okay, it's a collective, except when, of course, it breaks up into individual cells and they all go their separate way. Then it's still a collective, but the individual cells have dispersed, or what? Well, that is what a collective is. It's a collective of individual organisms. Okay, so a sli okay, so a slime mold when it's when it's uh, has its fruiting body and it's uh, collected into a differentiated mass of cells that operates as an individual, you're saying it's still not really a, an individual. It's, it's just, a, just a collection of individual cells. There's no intentionality in the, in the, or, the thing that, that looks like a little worm. <laughs> It only if, looks like an organism. It's not really an organism. If the slime mold is, as a whole, operating uh, in uh, as, in a complete, holistic, whole manner, then in that situation, then yes, it's an individual. Well, what, how do you decide that? Well, it depends on what the slime mold is doing. If it's well, moving they towards, crawl around. they usually crawl around, and you know they're pretty simple critters. You know right. they don't have real complex lives. Right. It has. It, yeah, it's moving towards uh, uh, food or or warmth or heat or. Well, it does what it does. I'm not an expert on slime yeah. molds. It's part of the reproductive cycle, though. 
Well, I would just say that the concept of an organism is uh, is up for uh, definition, that you can define that. that. In fact, there is no such thing as organism in the abstract. We come along and we assign that value to certain things and not to others, and we do that based on sets of assumptions that we bring to the table. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you, this is interesting. I guess that I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say this stuff. I'm surprised you, you didn't say it before. I would have loved to have this conversation with you two years ago. <laughs> well, it seems to me that when, just for example, you get, five or six or seven people together in, in, a, in a book group, in a library, where's the dominant monad? Oh, I wouldn't say, no, I'm not talking about a group of people. I'm talking about the planet as a whole, not, not 50 people or even people, even humanity. I wouldn't call humanity an organism. I would say we are subsystems. I mean, taken on that level, like the brain you know, is uh, is not an organism. It's a system within an organism. And I think humans, I think individual humans can be seen as organisms. Collectives of individual humans, I would say, are subsystems of the individual call, that we call Earth. So, yeah, I agree with you. A, a group of people is not an organism. So is this um, some variation on the the Gaia hypothesis? Uh, I suppose it could be seen that way. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't read that much. I mean, I'm familiar with the concept of the Gaia hypothesis. I think that's, like I say, it seems to me a fairly reasonable um, approach. Again, the problem is when you start mistaking an analysis for the way it is, I part company with with it. You know, I certainly don't believe that it is the truth, but I think it's a way of analyzing it that could be that could show us things that we can't see when we look at it with another perspective. Yeah, again, I, I, I see that, you know, the analogy of maps and territories to be really applicable here. You know, uh, different maps are useful for different purposes, and they don't quarrel with just because a street map may or not, you know, may or may not be uh, accurate or more or less accurate, has nothing whatsoever, no bearing at all on the, on the usefulness of a topo map. They're, they're abstracting different data for different reasons, and you, you can't use one to judge the other. They're just different, both useful at different times. And this uh, idea of Earth as a living single entity with its own developmental process, 
strikes me as a, a really interesting hypothesis that uh, might be really useful in understanding what's going on here on this planet and in the universe in general. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this sort of superorganism is composed of things like you and me and trees and everything else we see around us, I don't know, it just I think it's a fascinating possibility. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's in, in conflict with uh, any other map. It's just a map. So how would you go about, um, well, you know, you're going to jump on the word, but prove such a thing. Um, yeah, you're right. I don't think proof is even uh, related to this. How do you prove that, that an individual is an organ? It's, it's about the definitions that you start with. You start with definitions. There is no proof involved in a definition. I think, although I, I think probably it, it could be not proved. Some what's the word I should? That's, uh, you're right. I don't like that word. I'm trying to think of how I would say it. I think you can certainly find evidence. Maybe not yet. It may you know maybe too early. Uh, but evidence of its uh, unitary behavior, maybe. There's already plenty of that, actually. The planet operates as a whole in, in weather patterns and all sorts of stuff and disturbances that the planet responds to on a global scale. The atmosphere and things like that. But I'm not knowledgeable, really, enough in that area to, to say much about it. And again, how would the the bacteria living under your fingernail even begin to speculate about the nature of the conversation that, that you are having with me right now. Don't you think perhaps the bacteria or the individual cells that make up your body, that their consciousness is so far restricted below yours that their opinion about what the uni- their universe entails is almost irrelevant to you. There's no way they can possibly understand what you're doing. And and we may be in the same position. In this, although I don't think we are. I don't think it's that strict an analogy. I think maybe we can gain some knowledge of this. And I think this is what religion is about, actually. In some sense, you could see that Earth is God in, in some sense, or Bob, <laughs> at that level. And maybe it is possible for us to have some commerce with that entity, but um, uh, that, that's pushing it pretty far. So we may not be able to. Yeah, the cells that make up my body, I can't really... 
Well, of course, I can affect them. I suppose I could cut off my finger if I wanted to. That would show them. <laughs> you know? Or I could do various things. I could eat things or do things that affect the cells of my body for sure. In fact, I do all the time in that level. I can hold my breath. And every cell will experience that relatively quickly. But I don't know if they could speculate about my intentionality in doing so. All they'd know is there's a severe lack of oxygen right now, and this is not fun. Yeah, I would just say that um, no, we we shouldn't hold any of these analogies too close to the chest or hold onto them too tightly. Mm. Yeah, they're useful to the extent that they're useful. Yeah, right. But that's true, and that's really true for any theory, as far as I can see. I don't see any way around that for anything. You know that. All of our knowledge, all human knowledge that's embodied in language and, and theories has, is, is precisely that. It's all subject to being overthrown in the next minute if we find a better analogy. That's why I, say I don't believe evolution. I think evolution is our best current biological theory. It's a good theory, but that's all it is. It's just a theory. We may develop a better theory next week, one that explains everything in, uh, that evolution explains and more. That yeah. all of our knowledge is provisional. At least so-called knowledge that's embodied in language. There may be other forms of knowledge, but if it's not embodied in language, then that's something different. Well, all right. I mean, I don't think there's any anywhere else to go. Yeah. From here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you don't find that to be a useful analogy that that provokes thought and uh, and a way of looking at the planet that that's helpful to you, then you probably should not use it. I would agree with you. Yeah. (laughs) It does for me. And that's, you know, that's all I can claim. I guess um, part of it has to do with just a sort of attitude I have about Bob or the universe. Um, mm-hmm. And I certainly don't think humans are the highest form of intelligence and, um, well, that's even, I don't even know what to write, the highest form, period, just to say the highest form in the universe. I can imagine that galaxies actually might be unitary beings. Or, or even at higher levels, and ultimately, of course, it goes right up to Bob. <laughs> you know, the entire universe has intentionality. 
and at every level of the universe. So I think Bob's just a hell of a lot more creative than you seem to think he is, <laughs> or it is. I don't see any. I don't see any reason why the atoms, the quarks, the molecules, the proteins, the cells, the organisms, the the planets, and all the way up have their own level of consciousness and intentionality. Of course, their quarks intentionality is relatively simple. But at each level, uh, as as uh, systems emerge and form higher collectives, the intentionality gets more complex. And at our level, it's what we're used to. But I just don't think it has to stop there. In fact, I'd be surprised if it does. It seems to me it's just real. That's the thing is, to me, it seems just I'm, I'm surprised. Really, it surprises me that you, you react the way you do to it, that analogy, because it seems like such a, to me anyway, such a, an obvious and natural extension of everything we know. I mean, the, the, the universe of our experience here on Earth is that things come in species. They don't, I mean, we don't just have random collections of matter. So why would we assume that the rest of the universe, is, that the universe at a higher level than us, is just random collections of matter and that we are the end of that process? Mm. Well, shouldn't there be some something to ground this on? Something to base this on? Some evidence? Well, if, like I said, to me, the evidence is all over the place. And what's acceptable as evidence for one person, you know, I mean, the, the old argument, between you know physicists about whether electrons are waves or particles, they were all using their evidence to prove that they were right and the other one is wrong. It's really electrons are waves, not particles, or vice versa. And they had evidence for it. What would again? What's the evidence? Well, you're asking for evidence for what? What is it you're asking evidence for specifically? Mm, that the planet is a is a single organism with a locus of intentionality well we'd have to def- a single organism i can deal with i'd say that's relatively simple a locus of intentionality um i'd have to see some a definition of two of those words at least <laughs> um a capacity you know, to engage in intentional activity Intentional. Okay, so uh, a, a baby in a uh, capacity. So it doesn't have to actually do it. It just has to have the capacity to do it. Uh, sure. Well, you, I don't need evidence for a capacity. A baby, a, a fetus, a two-week-old fetus in the womb certainly has the capacity to drink beer and eat pizza at some point in the future. But I wouldn't say that it has any intentionality at the moment. Well, so it fails the test. Well, that's potential capacity as opposed to actual. Well, no, no, that's redundant. 
no, capacity and potentiality, I think, are, I'm not sure what the difference between those two is. Potential capacity? I have a capacity to get up and walk across the room, but I'm not doing it right now. Uh I have the potential to get up and walk across the room, and I'm not doing that right now. What's the difference? And it may change with time. Like I say, I don't think a ba- Would you claim that a, a, a fetus in the womb has intentionality? Oh, well... Well, in in the sense that it moves, I would suppose. Oh, so anything that moves has intentionality. Anything that does anything has intentionality. So if something reacts, then it has intentionality. Is that how you're defining intentionality? Mm, yeah, we I mean, could... Well, a I rock heats up when you put it in, out in the sun. It reacts to the sun hitting the rock, and it gets warm. It changes. It responds to the sun hitting the rock. Therefore, what? I think it's a limit. See, I would agree with you. I would say, yes, of course, a rock has intentionality, too. But it's a somewhat limited form of intentionality and simple. It's not complex. And I and quarks and atoms have intentionality on that level. But by that, if that's true, then clearly planets have intentionality. It responds to the sun. In very complex ways, as you might have noticed. <laughs> Well, listen, that's, again, I, these are good questions. I, this is great. It, um, it helps me a lot to sort of clarify my position here. But I can't give you evidence. Well, that's interesting. I, uh, I don't have the slightest bit of evidence for intentionality. But I can't imagine evidence for my own intentionality, actually. I'm trying to think what would be evidence. What would constitute evidence of intentionality? Hmm. I think I'll have to do a little bit more thinking. Well, listen, I plan on doing a lot more thinking. <laughs> so, yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot more thinking to be done on all of this stuff. Who knows? Maybe next week I'll dump this theory and I'll have another one. You know? That would be fun. <laughs> 
Okay, Dave. Well, yeah. really, I appreciate it. And thanks for, I'm going to watch, uh, I didn't watch the whole thing or listen to the whole thing. So uh, I'll probably listen to the rest of it one of these days. I still have the thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dave. All right. I'll talk to you later.
sir, not me, my friend. Okay, this number is called Ring Can Can, and have an ambulance for me after this one. 